Another NFL Sunday is coming to a close as the Chargers and the Bears are doing battle in Sunday Night Football. And what a day of games it was. But that means it's time for the good, the bad, and the box score. Welcome. You're listening to JWB Fantasy Football. Thanks for listening. What's going on, everybody? Wyatt here from JWB. This is our weekly recap on Sundays. Everyone out there who's already subscribed, we appreciate you for coming back and staying with us. Everybody who's not subscribed yet, if you enjoy this video, if you enjoy any of the content that you've seen from us or enjoy this video specifically, please like and subscribe. Help us get, reach our goal, 2,500 subscribers by the end of the season. We appreciate you. First things first, got to talk about some of the injuries from today. Starting off, Tyrod Taylor and Kenny Pickett both have rib injuries, both left the game and did not return, so it's something to monitor. Tyrod Taylor is a little bit less impactful because at some point we expect Daniel Jones back. Kenny Pickett, on the other hand, uh, you know, he is the starter there, so that one uh, is a little bit more impactful. Got to pay attention. Uh, Darren Waller has some sort of a hamstring injury that we need to check out, see how he's doing. Kendrick Bourne left the game with a knee injury, so we're going to have to monitor that. And the last one I've got is the really sad one here. Kirk Cousins almost assuredly has a torn Achilles. Basically, the video looks exactly like that's what happened. Like, as soon as the video came out of it, every medical doctor on Twitter is saying that's a, that's a torn Achilles. Like, uh, just a tough ending to Kirk Cousins' season. He was having a really good year. Even after Justin Jefferson went down these last couple games, they uh, were still having a really good uh doing really well on offense. Kirk Cousins was playing really well. This is likely the end of his Minnesota Vikings career as well as he was going to be a free agent. Um, he's obviously going to be working to get back for 2024 in dynasty boy. Uh, I haven't really been able to fully digest what this means for like Kirk Cousins in dynasty, but I don't know, like second round pick is that, is that maybe what he's worth? I don't know. Cause it's like tough. Like we're hoping for him to be back in 24. He's getting old. We don't know where he's going to be playing. It's just like a difficult thing to get over. I, I imagine like buying him for a second now, he's going to be worth more than that um, once he signs for the team. Like if he's playing next year, he'll probably be back up to like being worth first. Uh, so maybe like it's a decent speculative buy low if you, you're okay with not needing him for the rest of the year. Uh, but it's tough. It's really tough for Kirk Cousins. Obviously for the rest of this year that – He's not going to be playing, but what does that mean for the rest of the Vikings' weapons? Now, Jaron Hall, their six-round rookie, finished the game for them. Uh, obviously, he is not a very highly thought-of prospect, so it's hard to think that he's going to you know, keep our weapons happy for our teams. Uh, we've seen some lower-drafted QBs have success in recent history with you know Brock Purdy, Tyson Badgett looks okay. Uh, I don't want people to think of those and think, well, why can't Jaron Hall do it? Like, yeah, absolutely he could, but we have a lot of data that shows that prospects like Jaron Hall are not going to be good NFL QBs and likely won't help our fantasy weapons. So it's a big downgrade for everyone there. We'll see if they make a move. Like the Vikings have been playing better football as of late. Maybe they think that they can make a playoff run of some kind if they had a legit QB still. Uh, like, it wouldn't surprise me if they could make, like, a wild card spot because the NFC is just not very good. But we'll see. It's a it's a tough, tough scene over there for the Vikings. 
But let's get into the best and worst of the week. Uh, as always, this isn't just the highest point totals. This is the best and worst performances that matter the most, that have context. All right, first off, first good one I've got, CeeDee Lamb. 14 targets, caught 12 of them for 158 yards and two touchdowns. Also added 12 yards rushing for 35 half PPR points. If you've been watching the wide receiver weekly rankings show that I do each and every week, breaking down my wide receiver rankings, I've been talking about how CeeDee Lamb is like, he is right there. He's playing incredibly good football. The numbers quite haven't been there for him as the offense has like been in some awkward games and whatnot. And like all these ancillary factors, like, stopping him from really reaching the heights we want for him. This week, we finally got to see it happen, get this big blow-up game from him. I expect more often than not, he's going to be having really good weeks that we're excited about. He's obviously a wide receiver one through and through, uh, mid-wide receiver one, but it's great to finally get a week like this out of C.D. Lamb. Next up, A.J. Brown. I know, like, I'm probably just going to keep bringing it up because he's just on an incredible run of football right now. Eight targets, caught all of them, 130 yards, two touchdowns, 29 half PPR points. Now has set the record for the most games with six of 125 yards receiving in a row, at least 125 yards receiving. It's just like just an absurd run right now. Uh, it was crazy to think after you know seeing his first year in Philly that like he could be this much better than that. And he is. And he is the focal point of this offense, him and Jalen. Hertz are just on the same page. AJ Brown, uh, I would say, is easily the wide receiver two in fantasy football moving forward and really has been after Tyreek Hill. And really, he's right there with Tyreek Hill at this point. Uh, you know, like big news. One of the big news from this week is that Tyreek Hill became the first person in Super Bowl era to reach 1,000 yards uh, in only eight games. Well, AJ Brown's only 75 yards behind him. So AJ Brown's right there too, having a fantastic year. The last good I've got is DeAndre Hopkins and Will Levis. In Will Levis's first start, first off, Will Levis <laughs> looked pretty darn good. Uh, 19 and 29, 238 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, 11 rushing yards on his way to 26.62 fantasy points. Uh, on those, DeAndre Hopkins, only six targets, but caught four of them for 128 yards and three touchdowns, 32.8 half PPR points. Um, so the first touchdown came on DeAndre Hopkins just in single coverage and basically outmanned the quarterback on the way to the ball. But Will Levis threw a nice ball to him, a really good deep ball. Uh, the second touchdown, DeAndre Hopkins got open in the middle of the field, Caught it, made a move got on his way to a 17-yard touchdown. The third touchdown of the day, DeAndre Hopkins got open past the defense, somehow got over top of the defense and was open by like 10 yards. And Will Levis, again, just threw a perfect ball right in line for DeAndre Hopkins to run underneath, score a touchdown. Will Levis's fourth touchdown of the day was this like back foot throw across the field, perfectly thrown for Nick Westbrook-Akine to run under and catch for a touchdown. I'm not going to lie to you. Will Levis's arm was on full display today, and you could see like why scouts liked him uh, because he's got one of the better NFL arms out there that he can, you know, has all the arm strength you could ask for. And he threw some really pretty balls with some touch on them. Just looked really good, if I'm being just completely honest. 
now the Falcons defense has been playing fairly well this year, but like, I don't think anybody expected them to be like a good defense. And I think everybody thought that they were maybe playing a little bit above board for them, but still they were playing good as a defense. They were middle of the road, you know, so far this year. And well, Levis just kind of tore them apart. Now, I don't think Will Levis is all of a sudden going to be like a QB one week in week out. Like this can happen when a QB makes their first start and teams don't have any film on them or anything. But I guess we do have to remember like at one point, Will Levis was thought of as a pretty high up there prospect before falling into the second round of the NFL draft. He does have the physical tools, so maybe he can make it happen. Um, If you're a team that's like been streaming QBs, maybe Will Levis is a QB you take a shot on. If you want to like pair him with another QB just in case things go downhill. Uh, but we have to give some credit to the performance that Will Levis had today. All right. The bad. First off, Chris Olave. Nine targets, which is nice, but five catches, 46 yards, 7.1 half PPR points. He's actually averaging 7.7 half PPR points over his last five games. In those first three games, he was really thriving, you know, set 13.7 points per game in his first three games. And that was without scoring a touchdown. But since then it's just not there. Now the targets are there. He's still leading the saints in targets by a good margin, leading them in target share. Um, even with Alvin Kamara back and demanding a lot of targets, Chris Olave is still seeing a large amount himself. Just him and Derek Carr can't seem to get on the same page right now. And that's uh, really frustrating. Like, I still think that Chris Olave is extremely talented. He's earning all these targets. Like, I think the fantasy points are coming eventually, but it's hard to rank him better than anything as, like, a mid-wide receiver, too, at this point. And that's pretty unfortunate for our fantasy teams. Uh, Next up for the bad is Christian Watson. Eight targets, three catches, 33 yards, 4.8 half PPR points. He's averaging... 6.1 half PPR points per game this year after coming back from injury. Yeah. Him and love just are not on the same page. I think a lot of this does fall on Love's shoulders as he has been really, really inaccurate this year, especially as of late, a little of that magic from the first few games of the year has fallen off. And uh, yeah, Jordan Love is just having trouble completing passes in general. Um, And it's tough. Like I thought that Christian Watson could be okay with Jordan Love even if Jordan Love wasn't that good, just because I thought they'd get him some like manufactured receptions and touches, and that's just not really happening. Uh, At least not enough to keep his floor high enough for us to care about Christian Watson. Like right now, I think Christian Watson is barely in flex consideration because of how they can't get on the same page. Uh, When there's like no teams on by like this, like he's just straight up, not really a flex consideration. Once bye weeks are there and injuries, you know, like maybe he works his way, but it's in a really tough spot right now. The last bad performance I've got here is Patrick Mahomes a week after having this gigantic week, he goes to play Denver and what should be a smash matchup and has a terrible game. 24, 38, 241 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions did add 20 rushing yards, but he also lost a fumble. 5.64 fantasy points. The last time that he failed to throw a touchdown in a game was week 13 of 2021. Just an absolutely awful game for Patrick Mahomes. But this is Patrick Mahomes. So don't stress 
It happens, unfortunately. It can happen to the best QBs. Really bad weeks like this. Don't react to this other than sucks. Might have lost my matchup this week because of it, but like he's still Patrick Mahomes. You got nothing to worry about moving forward. All right. Weekly notes for the week. Talking about some of the headlines that I saw. Some of the most important information I thought we could take from this week. Jahan Dotson is back. I think. 10 targets, 8 catches, 108 yards, and touchdown. 20.8 half PPR points. Jahan Dotson has still been a part of this offense. One of the bigger parts. It's just the ball's been kind of spread out a lot. And it hasn't gone to him as much as we'd like. And him and Sam Howell haven't quite been on the same page. But I've talked about how I think John Dotson is a very talented player. I think eventually they would come back and they would be able to get on the same page. They certainly were in this game. I'm not going to project games like this moving forward, but I think John Dotson is working his way back up to at least maybe possibly wide receiver three territory. Uh, the Washington commanders are a team that like to pass a lot. They're not afraid to drop back and pass 50 plus times. That helps keep the fantasy production up for our weapons in that offense, Jahan Dotson being one of them. So yeah, not going to project, you know, big games like this week and week out, but he's back to being in like wide receiver three territory for me, I think moving forward. Taylor Heineke plays the second half. So in this Atlanta Falcons and Tennessee Titans game uh, during halftime, Desmond Ritter was checked for concussion, but cleared the protocol but it was Taylor Heineke who came out in the second half. And there's been a lot of speculation on when Taylor Heineke might start playing some time because Desmond Ritter has just been, you know, not that good. Uh, And Taylor Heineke has shown to be a competent NFL QB, not great, but competent. And he kind of showed that today in his time, 12 of 21, 175 yards and a touchdown at 14 rushing yards. 12.4 12.4 half PPR points in that half of football. Uh, important to remember, though, that like the Falcons were playing from behind. So, you know, he was passing a lot in his in during the time that he was out there. But we also have seen that Taylor Heineke can support fantasy weapons, and that's what we care about. You know, Taylor Heineke may or may not reach uh, streaming status for QBs, but we do know that he can support fantasy weapons. So I do think this is an upgrade overall for Drake London and Kyle Pitts. Chuba Hubbard leads the Panthers backfield. So coming out of the bye, there was some serious speculation about what this split would be between Chuba Hubbard and Miles Sanders. We saw Miles Sanders hurt before the bye in that game that he was out. Chuba Hubbard played well, had a good game. And then during the bye, Frank Reich mentioned about how, you know, this is going to be uh, a bigger split than it had been before. But we were kind of speculating like, well, Chuba Hubbard has looked better than Miles Sanders to this point. And maybe he just doesn't want to say like Miles Sanders is dust or like Miles Sanders is going to be sitting to Chuba Hubbard. And he just didn't want to do that, you know. But that's kind of what happened in this game. Chuba Hubbard played 66% of the snaps. Miles Sanders played 20% of the snaps. Now, Chuba Hubbard wasn't particularly good in this game, though the Texans have played great defense so far this year, much better than we expected. Chuba Hubbard got... 17 opportunities, 15 carries for 28 yards to two targets, couple from 26 yards. Again, like I said, not a great day, but the important thing here is the snaps and the opportunities. Miles Sanders, on the other hand, only had two carries, didn't get a single yard. That was it. Uh, I don't think Miles Sanders is very good. It's just straight up. I don't think he's very good. 
He's been dealing with injuries too, and that's certainly not helping. And while Chuba Hubbard is a fine running back, I wouldn't, I'm not going to say he's some great running back. I think he's certainly better than Miles Sanders right now. And it would not surprise me if this is the split moving forward, that Chuba Hubbard is going to be playing significantly more snaps than Miles Sanders. Raheem Blackshear got in on this game. He played the rest of these snaps, you know, the 14 snap percent of the snaps that were left. I think he really was only hurting Miles Sanders and not really taking away from Chuba Hubbard here. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, I think on just volume alone is now going to be in that like RB three, you know, bordering on RB two, depending on the teams on by or who's injured just on volume alone. That's a great place to be. If you're a Chuba Hubbard drafter. All right. Deontay Johnson is still a target hawk. First game back last week, him and George Pickens, uh, you know, the offense th- went through them, but it was Pickens ahead of Deontay Johnson, eight to six in targets. This week, it more than flipped back to Deontay Johnson as he had 14 targets. He caught eight of them for 85 yards for 12.5 half PPR points. You know, not the best day on 14 targets, but that is kind of Deontay Johnson's MO. But this is like what we want from Deontay Johnson. He has this like really stable floor because he's just a target hog. He had a 32.6 target share today. Um, I don't think he's going to get 14 targets week in and week out, but I think he's going to get plenty of targets this week to be a wide receiver three, four with like wide receiver two ceiling. The David Njoku resurgence today, David Njoku had eight targets, caught four of them for 77 yards and touchdown 15.7 half PPR points. He now has 17 targets over the last two games. And in those games, he has at least a 25% target share in each one of them. Uh, early on in the season, like David Joku was just not part of this offense. Uh, me and Jake talked about it on a Dynasty Digest episode that we did where we were like, I was concerned. Like I brought him up that I was concerned. I was sweating it that I thought maybe David Joku was like not really a part of the offense like he was last year, but it's coming back. And I don't like I have to imagine because the Browns offense really hasn't been very good this year that they looked at things and went like, we need to get the ball back into David Joku's hands and let him make some plays happen because that part of our offense is missing and it's hurting the offense. I really do think it was hurting the offense. Uh, uh, if David Joku can keep this up and I mean, I don't even expect him to keep up like a 25% target share in every game. Like he, he's done these last two, but closer to a 20% target share, because like, I think he has way more of an impact on the game and game basis than Elijah Moore is like some of those targets that Elijah Moore has been getting need to go to David Joku. And that's, and that's what's been happening. And if that can continue, he's back to being a tight end one and possibly like a mid-range tight end one. Joe Mixon had a good day. I, You know, Joe Mixon this year, he's looked cooked. He's still been getting enough volume to make him like an RB2 on a, on a weekly basis, just on volume. But like, he's been bad. But today against the 49ers, he, he looked all right. 16 carries, 87 yards and a touchdown. Caught all three of his targets for another 23 yards. Had 18.5 half PPR points. Like he played well in this game. And we need that because Joe Mixon, as the summer went on, his ADP just was skyrocketing as people realized that he was going to be playing for the Bengals this year after all the like legal trouble and stuff that was happening. But he has not really been paying off his draft status. But games like this will help him get back to that. And hopefully they continue. Trey McBride is here. Finally, the day has come. One of JWB's favorite tight end buys from this offseason and dynasty is here after Zach Ertz went down with injury. You know, 
I can't explain why the Cardinals wanted to feature Zach Ertz, who really has no business even being on this team, being how old he is, and this being a team thinking about the future. I guess, like, Zach Ertz being a part of the offense made some sense in the way that, like, he just helped right the ship a little bit as this offense got their legs underneath them. But Cherry McBride is the future tight end here of this team. Hopefully this never gets relinquished back to Zach Ertz, and it shouldn't because look at this game he had today. 14 targets, caught 10 of them, 95 yards and a touchdown, 20.5 half PR points. He had a 37.8% target share for the week. The, the, the tight end has been a featured part of this offense. Trey McBride is an athletic, talented tight end. He should be able to smash in this offense like he did today. Now, don't expect 20 half PPR points, you know, week in, week out, but I really think that Trey McBride can be a tight end one rest of season. Um, if he's probably, you know, picked up in a lot of leagues coming into this weekend, but if he's not like, this is going to be one of the bigger waiver wire ads. If you are some, a team looking for a tight end, if you've been struggling to find that tight end that you can count on week to week, like I think Trey McBride might be that for you, but that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the good, the bad and the box score. Like I mentioned in the beginning, if you're not subscribed yet, and if you enjoyed this video, please subscribe. It would mean the world to us, helps us continue to grow and do the best content we can for all of you. You can follow me on Twitter at YB underscore FF. You can find, you can follow JWB on Twitter at JWB underscore FF. You can find all of our content, everything we have, rankings, projections, all that type of stuff at JWBFantasyFootball.com. In the link of this video or the description of this video, you'll find the link to our free Discord. You'll find the link to our Patreon for all of our bonus content. If you aren't playing on Underdog Fantasy and you want to start as and get in in some of these Battle Royale drafts they have every week. You can sign up with code JWB for a first-time deposit match up to $100. I appreciate all of you. I'll see you next time.